Good morning. I mean, welcome you here and to remind you of a few things. Uh, first and foremost, prayer cards. If you have a prayer request, if you'll raise your hand, one of the ushers will get you a card, and that prayer can either be offered up here during this service or it can go to the, well, they all go to the prayer team. But if, if it's something that you do not want lifted up, just say private or no or something so I'll know. Pumpkin patch. Please encourage those willing to support our pumpkin patch as volunteers on our days of sales to sign up for a two-hour time slot on the sign-up sheets located on the window just inside the Family Life Center entrance. Our pumpkins are set to arrive around 3 p.m. Wednesday, October 1st. If you ever come out and help us unload, we'd greatly appreciate it. See Katie or Paige with questions or for more information. And if, you, if, if, if this is the first time you're hearing about the pumpkin patch, it's going to be on sale on, on October 4th, I think. Is that the first Saturday? Each Saturday for three weeks, the funds are going to support the uh, children and the youth ministries. So as has been said, if you plan on cooking pumpkins, decorating pumpkins, smashing pumpkins, make sure you get your pumpkins from us. This uh, morning at 11 o'clock, of course, we're going to be honoring um, Ann Mayfield for all her years of service as our organist. And uh, we will be having a meal in here afterwards. So at the end of this service, do not put your chairs away. Okay? Do not put the chairs away. Just leave the chairs out and they'll be rearranged uh, as needed. Partners in Faith Sunday School class was going to meet in here, but we'll meet in the chapel instead. Partners in Faith Sunday School class is meeting in the chapel. Meeting in the chapel. Next Sunday is Laity Sunday. It's our designated Laity Sunday, and at the 9 o'clock service, uh, Bob McQuaid, who's come to this service, will be bringing our message, and at the 11 o'clock service, her husband... Uh, Reverend Bob McQuaid will be uh, doing the 11 o'clock service, and so I hope you'll come and support them next Sunday. As I will be away doing a homecoming uh, at the church in North Carolina where I was, Brenda and I were married. So we're looking forward to, uh, to going and doing that. Rachel has an announcement. We'll let her come up and give it, and then we'll begin our worship. Hi, Hi, I'm Rachel Hudson, and I'm raising money for the Thirst Project. Almost a billion people on our planet don't have access to safe, clean drinking water. 80% of our global diseases are waterborne and the result of drinking contaminated water. Together we can raise awareness and, and build wells. The Thirst Project helps build wells in Swaziland, Africa. $25 will provide one person in Swaziland clean drinking water for life. I'm selling cookies and brownies for a dollar. Thank you for your support. Please stand and sing with us.
Here's one for you. Here's two for you. Here's one for you. Here's three for you. Here's one for you. And one for you. Okay. So. Oh, you didn't get one? Okay. Well, those are all the suckers I'm going to give out. What do you guys think about that? That's not fair, is it? So you didn't get any? Oh, so that's not really fun, is it? That, that kind of makes you, that kind of hurts your feelings, doesn't it? Well, I promise you each of you are going to get a treat today. Okay, I would not do that to you. But I do want, I did want to share that little activity with you because I want wanted you to understand the story that I'm going to tell you today a little bit better. Okay? Um, Jesus, Jesus told stories. And that is what helped Jesus to explain, you know, how we were supposed to live and, and to make things seem more simple, simple to understand. So when Jesus told a story one time to a group of um, a group of workers, there was a man and he owned a vineyard and he hired workers to come and work on his vineyard. And he hired some of them in the morning and he promised them, you know, at the end of the day, if you work, then I'm going to give you a certain amount of payment for that work. 
Well, throughout the course of the day, he continued to hire more men. And at the very end of the day, he hired some men, and they had only been there for a short amount of time. So when it came time for the day to be over, Jesus said that the man, he gave all of the workers the same amount of payment. Even though some of them had worked all day, and some of them had only worked a short amount of time. So those workers began to say, well, that's not fair. Why are you giving them the same amount that you gave us? Because they just got here, and we've been here all day working so hard. Well, the man who had the vineyard, he said, well, isn't it my land? Isn't it my money to give? So shouldn't I get to decide how I spend my money? So to make a long story short, the point of that story really wasn't about a vineyard and about people paying for work. It was about um, our lives as Christians. There are some people who live their entire lives serving the Lord and doing what's right. And at the end of their life, what is their reward? They go to heaven, right, and they have everlasting life. But then there are also people who, right before they pass away, at the very last second, they give their life to Jesus. They give their life to the Lord. And so what is their reward? What heaven? No, not the devil. <laughs> if they give their life to the Lord, even at the very last second, their reward is the same as the person who has had who has spent their entire life with Jesus. So the point of the story is, you know, we may not think it's fair, but sometimes that's okay. Because all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen fall short. So I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God sometimes, to us, it seems like he's not being fair. But because of that, that means that all of us, even if we lived a short amount of time with Jesus, that means that all of us still get the same reward at the end of our lives. So to me, that makes me happy. Now, did everybody get a sucker? I just want to make sure. Okay. Here you go. Here you go. Okay, let's get all of our suckers, and I want you to bow your heads and pray with me, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and your grace and for giving us everlasting life in spite of the things that we do and in spite of what we probably deserve. In your name we pray. Amen. Let us bow our heads and pray. Oh God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Oh God, you are a God of history. And we have heard from those who've gone before of your mighty works. But you're also the God of this day. And we gather here to sing our praises for your continued goodness extended to us. And yet, we must confess that even though we have witnessed 
many wonderful, glorious deeds by your hand. We often forget to be thankful, to be grateful. You provide for us, and yet we don't give thanks. Instead of rejoicing in your gift of grace, poured out to all who will ask, we grumble when others seem to, to receive your generosity. Forgive us for losing sight of the miracle that you've already rewarded us. Inspire us by the gift of your Holy Spirit that we may be willing, energetic workers in the vineyards to which we're called. Aid us to seek opportunities for serving you and bless the work of our hands, which we all want. There are men this day, O oh Lord, who are starving for relief from suffering. Some of our brothers and sisters are thirsting for comfort in the desert of pain and sorrow. We especially lift up this day, O oh Lord, Mary Hayes. We lift up Doris Wright, Bill Bomar, family and friends who are unemployed. Let the streams of your healing water and the substance of your grace fill each one their needs, that they may raise up and give you thanks. Give ear to our pleadings this day, O God of compassion. For we offer them in the name of Jesus Christ. And as he taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We continue on in Matthew, and it's about time, after all the things we've heard Jesus say, for him to offer us a few parables, and I want to offer one to you for your consideration. Matthew 20, begin at verse 1. Give attention to the reading of God's holy word. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing, and he told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever's right. And so they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. And he asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. And he said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages. Beginning with the last ones hired, and going on to the first. So the workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. 
that each one of them also received a denarius. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, am I not being unfair to you? I, friend, I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? And then Jesus said, so the last will be first and the first will be last. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, help us, guide us by the power of your Holy Spirit to understand this parable, how it relates to us in our time. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, this parable offends people. Let's recap real quick. Jesus tells his disciples that the kingdom of heaven is like the story you just heard me read. So, what happens is at the end of the day, those he hired last receive not one hour's pay, but a whole day's pay. Is that fair? Has something like that ever happened to you? Has it ever happened that you have had, had to work really hard to get something and then some Johnny come lately, breezes in, gets the same thing without all the effort? If that has, then you can understand where the laborers who worked all day long are coming from. If it has, you can understand why the answer of the landowner uh, doesn't sit too well with some people. And it is an upsetting parable. Uh, it, but before we go on and try to parse it out a little bit, the main point to remember here at the beginning of this parable is that the workers who were hired first, they had contracted to do a day's work for a day's wage. They knew what they were going to be paid when they were contracted. And that's the primary fact we need to remember. But we also need to remember something else about these first people that were hired. They really had a great privilege. The privilege was that they knew from the beginning of the work day that they would have work. I worked for some time in Florida with a company, I'm, I'm going to remain nameless, but um, one of the things that we did is that whenever we had a lot of work to do, we would go down to the nearest Home Depot, or, or use it as Home Depot, or uh, some place like that, and there would be all these workers uh, standing around waiting for someone to come by and hire them. And so it, get that visual, if you've ever seen that, kind of take that visual image. There's all these people, they have no, they're unemployed, they have no idea if anybody's going to come by, a contractor that's going to come by and put them to work for that day or not. These people were the ones that got the first early contractors come through, right? 
They knew from the beginning they had work. And in this case, they knew what they were going to be paid. Now let's think about it from the workers who were hired last. They had stood around in the heat of the day all day. Landowners had come and gone. Contractors had come and gone. And yet they hadn't got hired. And finally, just as their last hope is about to set with the day, with the sun, someone comes and hires them and tells them that they'll get paid what is fair. Doesn't say what, how much, but what is fair. And so they go. They go and they work with a little bit of hope of bringing home something. Maybe enough to survive another day, maybe not. And it's important for us to think about these two groups if we're to understand this parable and what Jesus is saying. It's tough, my friends, being one of those. Think about it. It's tough being one who has no hope or very little hope. And I'm not just talking about unemployment, but I have been unemployed before, so I understand that. I'm talking about no hope. No hope to ever change the situation that you're in or very little at best. And so you can imagine that those who had hired, who were hired last weren't really expecting a whole lot. And the time to pay them came. And they probably felt not very good at all because they knew they were going to get something, but it wouldn't be enough to go around. Would it be enough to feed their family another day? Or would some have to go without? If we're honest with ourselves, most of us have no clue what it's like to be in that situation. To stand around waiting for someone to come and to hire us. Now, I used to like a guy named Steve Martin. Any of you remember Steve Martin? Steve Martin. You remember he used to do this, I'm a crazy and wild guy. You remember when he would do this kind of routine? Okay. You know? Well, that's what happens, I think, here. The landlord shows up and he does something crazy, completely wild, completely unexpected, completely and totally out of character, maybe. Something beyond their wildest dreams. Something totally generous, more than generous, he gives them a full day's wage. Now, I know there's lots of images of God out there. Some of you might remember George Burns when he was the image of God in some, an old movie. Uh, you, may, you may remember, you may have in your mind the visual of God, but I guarantee you I'm the first person that's ever told you to thank Steve Martin, a wild and crazy guy. Okay? That's God here today in this parable. He gives them a full day's wage. They only work one hour. That's incredible, isn't it? But my friends, Jesus says that this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. So what's wrong with this parable? Why do so many people have trouble with this parable? Why do the workers who have worked all day for, for the weights they knew they were going to get grumble and complain? And you know you have to keep in mind who's who 
in these parables. God, of course, is the generous landowner or landlord. We are the workers. Some have worked all our life. Some haven't even begun to work. Some never get to work. It seems to me like those who have been working all the time, who were contracted at the beginning of the day, that they've just forgotten how lucky they are. They're, they're so used to the certainty of their work. Or I could say it this way, they are so used to the certainty of their salvation. They're so used to being part of God's work. They're so incredibly expecting a guarantee, if you will, that they'll be rewarded. And they really can't remember or imagine what being outside the kingdom is like. What being without God is like. And they forget and they begin to complain and their complaints are based on comparisons and selfish ones at that. Think about the audience of the day. The good religious folk of Jerusalem. I've worked harder. I've been here longer. I have done more. I had to go through this and that. So should you. What happens when we go down that road is all sense of our own blessedness disappears. And how sad it is. The older brother in the parable of the prodigal son is a good example of this. How sad it is. But I think what we should hear is the good news today that says praise God because the kingdom of God does not work that way. The kingdom of God does not work based on what we deserve. The kingdom of God works on the basis of God's love and His generosity. And that's a good thing. It's a real good thing. For those who are hired first, those who know the blessedness and assurance of the Lord, think about it this way. We could have been those who never heard and never were hired, never were, became part of the blessedness of the kingdom. And I think it's something for us to recover and to remember in our time because we have a real problem, I think, in Christianity today of putting and erecting walls of separation and exclusiveness to the point that we won't even try to attempt to bring the gospel message to certain people. I believe that if you are part of the vineyard and you've been working in God's vineyard, you've been a, a faithful servant, if you just stop and remember how blessed you truly are, you never grumble and you never complain about anyone else. I believe that people just need to refresh their thinking about the blessedness of having God in your life. But I want you to look at this another way and it, it, it can be kind of touched on this. Someone you love dies. 
Sometimes a person dies full of years and honor. His days have ended, his work is done, his task is completed. Everyone agrees he's a good and faithful servant. And we expect and believe that he's welcomed into heaven. But sometimes a young person dies. Before the doors of life and achievement have been barely opened. What happens to them? They have no record. They've barely, if any, been part of Christ's church. One of the more, one of the things that is hard to do as a pastor is to deal with funerals, death. One of my very first funerals was a young man who had spent his entire early years, and he was still pretty young, wasting his life away with alcohol and drugs. His mother called me and said that he had died in the hospital in Charleston. And that, could I just perform a graveside funeral for him? She wasn't expecting a church funeral. She knew that he had wasted his life. But it was still her son. And she told me that she had prayed for him all those years that he was not making the right decisions and she said I know on his deathbed he accepted Jesus because I was there I was new at the church I had never heard of the family I had to go check to see if this person was even on our rolls um, I asked around and almost everyone to a T said, you don't have nothing to do with that. Tell her to go get somebody else. Now, he was a worthless, no good person. Said, I can't believe preacher you'd even consider doing the funeral. I went to the house a few days later the body had already been carried to the funeral home, closed casket. I never saw the young man. I never saw the young man ever, except my picture. I told the lady I would do it because only God knows what's in the heart of that man. And if he said he accepted Jesus at the last, he is welcomed into heaven just as much as any of those stalwarts in that church. And I went there to that graveside that day, and boy, you thought the whole town had turned out. Remember, I was a new pastor, and new in that town. Okay? They all come out to see what the new preacher was going to say about this good for nothing laying here in this cemetery. Now, I don't remember everything I said, but I remember saying this that this fellow laying here, is a child of God, just like every one of you. And it's not me to judge his life. It's up to God 
What I'm to do is to ask God to forgive him and to welcome him into heaven. And that's what I did. You see, the parable of the generous landlord teaches us that God will receive all of us. He will receive us all. And He reserves the right to be generous or not. And we may be the workers who've worked all day in the heat, but we were paid what we agreed to. And we're secure and safe. We know what's coming to us. And that should be enough. And it is such that it should keep us from grumbling and complaining when God reaches out to others and treats them well. There is good news in this parable. Let me tell you one more little thing about that town. They had one cemetery. They didn't have all the churches that went together. None of the churches had cemeteries. And all went together and built this cemetery. So it was used by everybody. In the center of it was a statue of the woman at the well. And you think about that. Later, right before I left, I asked somebody, I said, why did they ever put the woman at the well as the statue in the middle of the cemetery? And they said, because we all know as a lot of us, we're all, we all know we're sinners in this community. And the woman at the well was forgiven. And we thought that needed to be focus in our cemetery. My friends, this is good news. Even though it sounds like it's not. This landlord, this landowner is God. And he looks at us and he sees our needs and the question in God's mind is not how much do these people deserve? What do you deserve? It's what's in God's mind is how can I be generous to you? How can I help you? And that's God's right and God's pleasure to give to us more than we ever deserve and to make our hearts glad. And it's all grace and blessings, my friends. It's grace if you were hired in the morning. In other words, it's grace if you come to Jesus early in your life and you've been a faithful star all these years. But it's also grace if you came in the middle of your life. Or it's grace if you came at the end of your life. And we need to remember it. And when Jesus said the last will be first and the first last, He's not telling us how things are in the world, but He's warning us He's warning those of us who are first about the dangers of forgetting how we got to be first. The danger of being so comfortable in our position of being first that we dare to question God's love for others who happen along after us. Brothers and sisters, this parable is offensive if you believe that God's love is something you have to earn. This, this parable is offensive if you don't cry over the hunger of the unemployed or weep over those who waste their lives in things that do not profit them. This is offensive if you're the kind who believes that seniority is the only thing that counts or thinks that generosity only counts if it's tax deductible. But for those who have 
eyes to see and ears to hear, as Jesus likes to say, the parable is glorious news about God's love to all. And it's a source of hope and strength for everyone who's called to labor in God's field. God wants to be generous. Is that not God's right? Let's pray. Oh Lord, You have given us so much. Now give us just one more thing. A grateful heart. And help us, O oh Lord, to remember that while it is possible to give without loving, it is impossible to love without giving. We pray in your name. Amen. Let's stand and affirm our faith. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We're called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life and death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let our ushers come forward.